Welcome to the Leadership Exposé podcast. This podcast is for purpose-driven leaders at diverse levels and organizations around the world who are seeking to scale and transform their leadership to level up their business and to create an impact in the lives of people all around them. Business and boardroom topics, trends, innovation, transformation, and the intersection with leadership is the focus. We enable success. I'm your host, Stephen Paul. In this episode, we meet Peter Goldstein, the CEO of Exchange Listing LLC. Peter is a seasoned executive and entrepreneur with more than 30 years as executive for public and private companies. He is an expert in navigating the ever-changing climate of Wall Street. Peter is also the founder, chairman, and CEO of Grandview Capital Partners, a specialized boutique investment bank that provides innovative financial services to emerging growth companies. He also holds several board positions. We'll hear about Peter's journey and about the microcap IPO industry, the corporate board governance that surrounds this, and how he is leading and supporting emerging growth businesses to their IPOs that are uniquely positioned to access capital in diverse firms globally. Peter, welcome. How are you doing today? Hi, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Doing just great. Thank you. Wonderful. Peter, you know, just before we started the podcast, uh, we were exchanging where we're based. So for the benefit of the audience, where are you based? I'm currently based in Amsterdam in the Netherlands. And I split my time here uh, about 50% uh, here in Amsterdam and 50% in the U.S. Wonderful. Peter, we're interested to hear about your, uh, your, your, your journey. Where did it all begin? And let's hear that intersect between your personal journey as well as your professional journey. Yeah, happy to, to, to give you uh, some insight and, and the great opportunity really to to share a bit of my story and i think every entrepreneur has an amazing story uh as i approach 60 i just have more years uh of experience you know under my belt because i started my first company in my early 20s uh i was born and raised in new york my 24th birthday uh i went to city hall uh on center street in manhattan back then you had to apply for your business license in person uh tells you how long ago it was and um, built that company and had my first exit at 30. So since then, really, I would consider myself a serial entrepreneur. Uh, and I really love building companies. So I look forward to working with, you know, not just myself as an entrepreneur, but, you know, with many and expanding and driving, creating value and something that's new and profitable, especially something that hasn't existed before. So it's uh, it's really been an amazing journey uh, of varied uh, industries and sectors, but the last 20 years have been focused on the U.S. capital market, so driving publicly listed uh, exit strategies for both the companies I'm involved in and for clients. So, Peter, you know, you mentioned about uh, 60. I, I still feel that's a very young, young age. <laughs> um, you know, I think that's when really great things happen at that age and uh, i think you've given us a bit of an insight as to your uh, your expertise there but keen to hear a little bit more about how you came into capital markets and the connection between amsterdam and the us 
Wow, those are, are uh, two very different stories, but I'll I'll take the capital market first uh, since that really started much longer, uh, you know, in my in my career. Uh, it it wasn't something that I planned. Uh, as I think many great entrepreneurs see opportunities and are brought uh, different you know ways to go in their life. Uh, after I exited my first business, uh, I was very fortunate that a number of other opportunities showed up where people were asking for help, knowing about my success. And that started off with mergers and acquisitions, or can you help me raise some money? Uh, eventually, it came to, hey, I'd like to go public. And these were all new areas of opportunities and growth uh, that I really got excited about because most of my experience had been in the private markets. And it was a whole new uh, really playing field to look at the capital markets for small to medium-sized companies. Um, and that's where I then focused my career. I started a boutique investment bank uh, from scratch, which I built up, which is Grandview Capital. It's still in business today, although I sold the portion of it, still active on Wall Street. Uh, but my background in building the investment bank was driven by a need to service this small to medium emerging growth market that's still to this day extremely underserved uh, from a capital market perspective. Most people think that you have to have a certain amount of revenue and earnings and EBITDA to be able to qualify to even go public. Uh, and that's just not true. Um, so a big portion of my growth in the capital markets and my passion around that is working with entrepreneurial companies who access the public markets or the capital markets early in their journey as in a developmental stage growth company. That's, you know, that, that, that that's such an important aspect, right? Because I've spoken with a number of entrepreneurs and leaders, and there's always that misconception about capital, raising capital, and you're basically unlocking that through that readiness and bringing that awareness of how that actually works, what the criteria is. Can you shed a little bit more light about that? Yeah, I, I'm happy to. I think, you know, just historically to look at about 20, over 20 years ago now, when the dot-com, you know, boom and bust had happened, uh, the on the bust side of the dot-com, when early stage companies didn't survive, there became a, a, a basically a, a viewpoint that, well, it's too high of a risk to invest and to bring these early stage companies public. Um, well, that's really just not true. It was just a trend that occurred as there are many cycles in business. But since then, I've been able to work with companies that have accessed the capital markets during the last 20 years. It's now much more uh, relevant and actually this is this year especially in 2022 there are more micro cap ipo companies than there are small cap mid cap or large cap mm -hmm. uh, so the the misperception that you cannot access uh, the public markets as a small or micro cap issuer is just that it's it's a myth and and so you have to have enough growth and development and i would say market traction and ultimately evaluation to be big enough to attract capital uh, and institutional support and meet the metrics of listing a company, both quantitatively and qualitatively. But that can be done and somewhat reverse engineered uh, to list companies that are in a stage of development uh, that still is appropriate for accessing, if you will, 
almost like public venture capital. Uh, it's instead of going to a private venture capital source, you're going to the capital markets for similar types of early stage, higher risk funding. And it does exist and it is possible for entrepreneurs. Yeah. And, and through these conversations with businesses and with entrepreneurs, what kind of challenges are you detecting that these entrepreneurs and businesses are facing to actually bring it to that stage? Yeah, a lot of it is is first, you know, many of these companies as entrepreneurs are either founder living or driven or co-founder driven and uh, haven't had necessarily the input from now outsiders who are going to be looking at their practices, looking at the controls, looking at the systems. Uh, that alone is an evolution to go from a founder driven business to one where you have to now conform uh, to kind of more systems and controls. Uh, so I think that's a very healthy challenge, but it is nonetheless a challenge. And then you have to go through financial audits and you have to go through regulatory preparation and you have to go through bringing on a board and having that board have oversight and input into your company. Um, but all of this is part of growth and evolution. Uh, that is really a necessity for companies, whether they stay private or they want to go public. Uh, it just forces a company to look at things that they might not otherwise look at or want to focus on or spend money on uh, at this stage in their development. And that's where I've now spent my focus of my business and transformed my area of expertise to work with preparing these companies and specifically the entrepreneurs through this journey, uh, which is a unique journey of its own right to go from private to ringing the bell on NASDAQ. Yeah. And you know, the, the, the element of business growth and putting in all the, the processes and the capabilities is very, very important. But you also touched on a very important aspect, which is very close to my heart as well, corporate governance and, yes. you know, the prep, you know, preparation towards, you know, becoming a little bit more stable as a company and bringing that, uh, that level of confidence to investors uh, through either advisory board to being a main governance board as well. Do you provide that bit of advisory to to companies as well, or at least portions of it? Uh, certainly do, and and I think it's critical to that next level of growth. And like you said, there's an advisory board level, uh, which is less formal than a traditional you know board of directors. Uh, both play a very valuable part. Uh, but the the board itself uh, is really something that I'm very focused on. Uh, I recently just finished some advanced education around this topic and a certification program uh, with people from all over the world uh, coming together to look at the the necessity to bring governance to the company at whatever level. Mine happens to, of course, be focused on micro cap and small cap, but there were people there from multinational and from corporations all over the world. And the, the, the common thread was that the board can and should play a critical part in supporting management and leadership in the direction that the organization is going. Yeah, excellent. Peter, when we talk about exchange listing, which is a big focus of yours as a, as a, as a company and advisory, what, what are the types of conversations um, that would be had if, um, I was a business or a uh, um, a company looking to uh, to do business with yourself. Well, for, for me, it it starts with management. So uh, they're beginning with 
management, the vision that management has, and the business that they're in, the stage of development. And of course, in my particular business, it's a commitment to want to go public. doesn't have to be today or tomorrow, but that could be 12, 18, 24, 36 months down the road. And for the executives, we often start off with just a, a SWOT analysis. Let's just get an understanding of the business, look at the strengths, the weaknesses, and the opportunities and the threats. So I often challenge you know, entrepreneurs to just continually do a SWOT analysis, do it every quarter, and just really constantly explore how you need to evolve in order to stay on that competitive advantage and leadership that you're bringing in as an organization at any stage of development. And that's really a, a practice that I would look at from an executive level uh, that I think once done consistently and over time with the follow through and the execution of that SWOT analysis, the outcome of that uh, can really be a significant contribution to an organization. It's such an important habit, isn't it, Peter? I mean, it is. just even even that rhythm you mentioned quarterly, even that many entrepreneurs sometimes just miss that out. I mean, like there's so much heads down on operations, not really stepping back, thinking about their vision, their goals. And, you know, if it's whether IPO now or IPO tomorrow or day after tomorrow, uh, they're not putting the the necessary habits in place to actually bring that awareness and recognition and and how they want to chart their course of, 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 of direction. So I, I find that very useful. And that's a very big tip, the, the SWOT analysis, on a, even on a quarterly basis. Uh, Peter, tell, tell us a little bit more about um, yourself as a leader, any experience or a story that you want to share that comes to mind um, from, you know, your time as a, as a senior leader or even a, currently in, a, in, in your capacity as an executive that's resulted in a highly positive outcome? Yeah, I have a couple of a couple of stories. I mean, it's I, I smile when you ask that because, you know, I've had this amazing journey and people have shown up in all different walks and talks of life uh, and have played, you know, different roles in, in that journey. And it's just so amazing and interesting how people can come in to, you know, uh, uh, provide value from interactions some that I've never had or even experienced in our industry. You know, currently I'm talking with someone who's not in industry. She happens to be a registered nurse and just brought in insight around a particular topic of discussion. Uh, so every person has a unique story to tell, a uh, unique opportunity to provide value and context. Uh, and then some of those people lead to very unique partnerships and collaborations and, you know, business partnerships that are unique in their own right. Uh, the other story that comes to mind is over the last year, I've been talking with a particular client. I actually prepared my initial engagement over a year ago, and it wasn't the right time for them. We kept in touch. I was very consistent about following up. It's a very unique business in the um, crypto mining space and one that I'm quite interested in from you know many perspectives. And after a full year, uh, that client finally signed on with us just recently uh, for, you know, an uplisting to, you know, become a NASDAQ listed company because we work with companies all over the world in all different sectors with the commonality of wanting to go to either New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ Stock Exchange. And we have a, an agreement. We have a scope of work. Everything's organized. Two days later, I got a call from the CEO. I'm very fortunate because I get to work with all these dynamic CEOs and 
getting to know him over a year, even though we weren't engaged, we created a great dialogue together. And two days after I was engaged, he came to me with a challenge that he was facing that had nothing to do with the scope of work for which I was hired. And we collaborated, we did some kind of mind melding, we came, did some masterminding together, uh, and we came up with a solution that was executed in 48 hours that completely shifted the direction of his company. So a year later with no compensation, no understanding if I would ever work with him, just creating a relationship to then signing one and then having him trust me with a challenge that isn't inside of my scope of work and giving me the opportunity to contribute uh, is a great honor for me. And those are things that happen every, I would say, well, not to that extreme, but regularly in my business where I'm a big believer that you can be a kind of a quiet hero and add value mm -hmm. from all different types of perspectives, even it has nothing to do with what I was hired or retained to do. And the end of that story, of course, is that now the company's going, you know, back in the direction that we wanted it to. And I think the lesson there is that, you know, you can contribute to people in all different types of ways, even if it's not of direct and immediate value to you, you can bring value to others without looking for anything in return. And then that'll come back to you many fold, I think, you know, in the future. Yeah, it's, it's such a such a great story and such a great two examples that you gave there. And, you know, that last one that you, you described around, um, you know, sharing your expertise, your knowledge through a conversation, which then eventually led into something of an engage engagement is such an important aspect, I, I feel, for even executives where there's an opportunity for experts and influencers like yourself, Peter, to to make that, uh, you know, make that mark amongst some of these other executives who might feel a little lonely and having those challenges, you know, and you were able to bring in some level of insight and trust and then take that relationship to the next level. So well done on you. Cheers. Thank you. What about your experience or, or what, what you're actually seeing with what's going on currently, you know, with the, with the economy, obviously pandemic, um, are you experiencing any challenges yourself as a company or, you know, the, throughout, throughout the, uh, the business ecosystem here, um, you know, what trends are you actually seeing as a result of, of, of these changes? Yeah, listen, we've all gone through significant changes in personal and professional capacities during the course of COVID. And then you add in the war in Ukraine and you add in inflation and you add in other components that are way out of our control, supply chain and other. Uh, I think good entrepreneurs find ways to adapt mm. and, and to evolve. Uh, as an example, we saw, so the capital markets, even during COVID last year, the U.S. micro capital markets had the best year they've had in about 20 years. This year, it's one of the worst years they've had in 20 years. So the swing has it's just been extremely volatile. And so we've had to adjust and make a slight pivot. So we've actually are now creating a product as a service that is geared towards a 12-month preparation for companies that are considering doing an IPO knowing that the market may not be 100% ideally ready, or they may not be ready, it still is the preparation to know that if you start now, 
and you go down the journey, you're going to be closer towards the day when you're ready if the markets all, and the business all line up properly. So it's just an idea that that came driven from the fact that there's two realities that I see, uh, at least in my world, that have been the greatest effect from COVID, it's, which is human resources and capital resources. Mm -hmm. So the pandemic has changed so many things, but in relation to the human resources, people are making different choices in their life. Yeah. And I think it's really critical, especially in a service business, right, more than ever to attract, you know, motivate and reward great people as a result of wanting to drive and scale a business that requires people no matter what. So that's, I think, internationally, I see as a trend and an outcome is the challenge in, you know, really finding those right people, keeping them, rewarding them, and having them buy into the culture and the organization so they are then themselves bringing something more uh, to the entity. Uh, the other area, of course, is capital. You know, given that the markets uh, that I work in perpetually just dried up here in the last 12 months. And the year prior, everything was liquid. So we saw this situation where companies who didn't raise money last year are now having a challenge raising money under the same conditions that they were in, or maybe even their businesses are in better shape this year. But the market isn't supporting that those liquidity events in the IPO markets currently. So the outcome of that, of course, is that if you want to really be ahead of the, the financing and looking at your balance sheet differently as an outcome of COVID, it just makes sure that you have enough time and runway with cash reserves for the unexpected uh, that really at this point seem like they're more the norm than they are the exception. Uh, so prepare your human resources uh, and capital resources effectively on a post-pandemic world. Excellent. Peter, you're a leader in your own right. Share with us one thing that's your secret formula to your success. <laughs> I don't know if there's a secret formula. Um, you know, uh, great coffee is always one of those elements. Uh, you know, taking time to rest and restore uh, and recharge so that, you know, when you are uh, called to action, you know, that you're ready. Uh, but really, you know, truly, I think it's passion. Uh, I think it's purpose. I think there are values. Uh, and then focus. So I'm passionate about what I do. I get up every morning. I'm excited. Uh, I have a known purpose. I have stated values. And then, of course, we have to focus on producing results. So I'm not sure there's any secrets in there. It's just a formula that that works for, for me that uh, I found over the years has become uh, just almost like invisible now. Like it's just how I run, how I operate. Yeah. And are there any... Uh you know, other leaders or books that you read or follow? Anybody that inspires you along the way? I mean, listen, there, there are many. I take from, you know, from all different uh, works and talks and uh, not even necessarily straight business. You know, I'm currently just been, been reading about Greek mythology again. So uh, I, I find that uh, some of the most interesting inspiration um, and, and tidbits that can come have nothing to do with traditional you know, business leaders, although there's obviously many that I follow. Uh, I would say that it's pretty dynamic. Um, you know, nothing jumps out, you know, right away as uh, something great to share. But uh, keeping relevant with, you know, all types of, of really sources 
of both, you know, knowledge uh, and perspective and viewpoint uh, has served in, in different ways to create value at different points. Yeah. And I know you're touching on these topics here, but uh, are they, are, is there anything specific um, in terms of topics or trends on your mind these days that, that you feel impact people, leaders, boards, uh, you know, and, and, and basically their journey and what they need to focus on. Is there anything else aside from what you've just described that you wanted to bring up? Yeah, yeah Stephen, I think there are two that jump out. Uh, board, um, board and employee diversity or diversity within the corporation, uh, I think is, is, is quite critical. Uh, you know, there are mandated uh, diversity protocols being put into place, and then there are just diversity components of really what I think it is to be a good leader uh, and to build a dynamic organization. So looking at diversity across the board uh, and really taking it as something to heart as opposed to a check the box aspect, uh, I think is one. And then related to that are very relevant ESG matters. You know, it's a topic of discussion uh, all over the world. And I think there are those that are really taking on uh, the environmental, the social and the governance perspectives in an organization. And then also others that are just going through the motions and, and checking the box. Mm -hmm. So I think those two areas have been something I'm pretty outspoken about that I think need to be real. Uh, as as something that are will shape the outcome of the organization in the future. Yeah, both both topics so important, and it's uh, you know diversity with a capital D, right? Because there's several <laughs> dimensions of uh, diversity, and it's such an important topic at board level, but also across across the organization, just within people as well. ESG is, as you mentioned, such an important topic, and. Um, Yes, of course, people, you know, talk about ESG, but, you know, you, you mentioned something so important, making it real. Yes. And, and you know, experts like yourself uh, bring in that awareness to not only to businesses, but also what it actually means. And, and that's what it, you know, that, that, that's what you mean by saying, making it real. So, yeah, I, I think through that awareness and those discussions that that will that will become a lot more relevant to people and how they actually apply it. Agreed. Peter, um, tell us what is in a, what, what does a day in the life of Peter look like? Wow. Um, Morning well, to evening. <laughs> yeah, it's it, into evening, especially now, because I'm living in, you know, Europe and in, in Amsterdam and the Netherlands, but I keep U.S. hours. So uh, my days are quite long. Uh, and, and, you know, I keep us trading hours, right? So, you know, normally then I'll wake, my morning is my free time. So I'll wake up, I'll read, I'll meditate. Uh, I go to the gym and work out. I grab a good cup of coffee, another, you know, usually a dark roast. That's critical. Uh, take some quiet time. Uh, I keep internet and email off during these hours, uh, so that I can really kind of bring that creative and focus time naturally. Uh, until I get in front of my screen. And then, uh, you know, these days between, you know, Zoom and, and, and other conference calls, uh, I put in a lot of hours. Uh, I'm in focus time from 12 to 1 European time till about 10 o'clock, uh, you know, local time. Uh, and then at the end of the day, it's wind down. You know, I like to go out and take a walk and clear my head, 
uh, and then go into, you know, kind of PM meditative and wind down and, and good, good sleep habits. Good sleep habits have become uh, maybe more important than, uh, than many others during the course of the day, uh, just so I can wake up and hit it as intense and hard, you know, the next day. Excellent. Peter, we're coming to a close very shortly. Is any closing messages or a challenge to other leaders or boards or organizations that you want to uh, to bring out here? Yeah, I think the challenge really is to to dig deep to see where you can really drive value, you know, authentic value to the organization and, and to the stakeholders, you know, the challenge to look beyond the usual KPIs. You know, every CEO or board has KPIs that they like to track. But I think if you look beyond that into how it, you as individuals and collectively as an organization can really bring value to all of the stakeholders. And that's a broad, you know, basically birth to look at, but look at it from a socially responsible perspective, you know, environmental, you know, and a leadership perspective. Uh, that's a challenge that I think every board and every C-suite can take on uh, to raise the level of their contribution to the world. Wonderful business and leadership wisdom from Peter. Thank you very much for uh, for, for sharing that with us and uh, being with us today. Thank you very much. Great. Thanks for having me, Steve. It was a pleasure. Look forward to another one. Wonderful. Okay, folks, thank you very much for listening in and stay tuned for our next episode where we hear from the chief people officer of a Fortune 500 company and the changing influence of the role of the uh, human resources at board level. Stay tuned for our next episode on this and continue to stay on to hear about an offer for you. Thank you. Hey, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. You're now seeing this part of the video also because you consume some of my content, insights and teachings. Maybe you've been to my LinkedIn page or website or seen other social media ads or listened to my podcast. I'm Stephen Paul, a business and transformational executive coach, strategic advisor, leader and board member. I've been in diverse roles, corporate executive, entrepreneur, and worked with businesses and firms of all sizes, built and launched businesses, created high impact boards and so forth in four continents. I get it. I've been there, done that. But what is different is I bring a unique perspective and a playbook. I've helped 100 plus business leaders just like you to scale and align their leadership top teams, the board and overall business for growth. Leaders like Ivana from medium-sized company in the EU who grew 150% and expanded globally in under five months. After she started to work with me over facilitated sessions in an initial three days, I helped fine-tune their strategy and align their leadership team and board to be a cohesive driving force to achieve their dreams and outcomes. I want to teach you the same thing and more on how to scale and align your leadership team and board so you can increase your business growth and value. Get clarity on what is the next right strategy for you. There are multiple ways we can work with you. Number one, click the link for a free non-obligatory 60-minute initial strategic session. Let's get a feel for your dreams, your vision, your challenges, and let me convert that into a route map for you where we can co-develop and co-pilot. Number two, 
enroll in an innovative and intuitive digital online course that I have curated, created to help you transform. It's called Unshakable Resilience. It is the ultimate program for individuals and business leaders like you who want to be equipped at a personal and professional level to respond to any form of challenges or in crisis situations and take on opportunities with grit, resilience, and build a mindset of success. In essence, you want to be unshakable, thrive in crisis, take on opportunities in the face of adversity, and build a success mindset. So click the link below to learn more on how I can personally help you individually and your firm to scale and align your leadership team and business and pivot in a transformational way. And for you to experience this, whatever the challenge you're facing, get in touch with me. Let's discuss and I will share my insight rapidly to enable your transformation. Click the links below.